3: Hi everybody. The jo- hi everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
1: Freedom. This is what I call freedom. We're- you want to say I let the children play
3: finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, I got it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: All
3: right, once again, welcome to, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. I hope you follow me uh, on this. Uh, uh, show on this website. And uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And once again, it's a cold day in the city of Chicago. For fall, it's it's unprecedented. However, it is nice. It's colder than what it should be for this time of year. For fall, it feels like the dead of winter. So we're freezing somewhat. Not totally, but, you know, I mean, it's just um, a lot of it caught a lot of people off guard, I, I assume, because a lot of people were wearing light clothing. And then they discovered after, they, after they've gotten outside and felt the weather, they better go pack it, back in the house and put on something more, a little bit more thicker and heavier. But I'm hearing from the weather people that it's temporarily, temporary. So, you know, hopefully it's temporary. These guys, are, these guys and girls are, are wrong sometimes or all the time. Okay, follow me on Facebook and and Google and all over the place. Uh, Fats Domino died today. Yeah, he was 89 years old. Benson, uh, Robert Guillaume died yesterday. Starved Benson, and I'm hearing that he was a, also a, a stage actor. He won an Emmy, Robert Guillaume, and I remember him from the movie Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman, which I thought it was a great movie. It was a super duper movie, and something inside of me was telling was saying that Morgan Freeman should have won an Oscar for that. I think that was odd. Somebody overlooked him. I mean, that was an Oscar worthy performance in lean on me. And it's a movie that I'm thinking that is forgotten. It it's, you know, I mean, check it out. I mean, check it out. It's Morgan Freeman, Freeman, Robert Guillaume. It's, it's, it's it's about uh, I'm not going to give up give away the premise, but I will say that it, he's a principal and Morgan Freeman is a a, a, <laughs> a teacher, so it, it's about you know education school and school in a um, predominantly uh, a poor uh, area. It's a good movie. It's it's it, it's an autobiography of Joe Clark. So you know check out that movie uh, with with uh, Robert Guillaume. It's great. It's beautiful and it is a good movie i think it's one of i think it's one of if not the best thing that probably morgan freeman has ever done i mean it's the movies are is about i believe 20 to 25 years old so it's a, it's an old movie but i think it's one of his best performance. i mean morgan freeman won an oscar for glory i don't think glory near better than the movie lean on me that's my interpretation that's my opinion. Now, you could watch a movie and you could have a, have another opinion. But uh, that's my opinion. So, uh, Benson, uh, Robert Guillaume is dead at 89. And, and today, Fats Domino dies at 89. Wow, both of these guys were 89 years old, on the cusp of, of 90. And when you think about people dying at the age of 89, 90, 95, you, you tell yourself that these folks lived a long time. They uh, accomplished something in their life, and they lived a long time. I mean, you know, you know, they've seen so much. They know so much. They've been so many places, you know, and I, I look at these folks not as seniors, not as the elderly. I look at these folks, older people, as I always have all my life, as people with a lot of knowledge, things with a lot of stories they could tell, you know, I see that. A lot of experience that they have. I don't. I don't look at them as old and just die, you know, like some people do. Or if they figure if you're old, you you need to be abused or something. You need to be hit on or, or something, or physically hit on. Um, so I. I mean, when you when you pass away at 89, 90, 95, you you've been around a long time. You know a lot. You you experienced a lot. I don't look at older people as, you know, having one foot in the grave like so many people do. I I don't see it that way. I see it, as I just got through stating, I see them as people with a lot of experience. They've been around for decades and years. They've got a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of stories to be told. It's just phenomenal. I talked about this in my book. One of my books or stories elder abuse and the, uh, old man. I, 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 based that actually, actually I based that story on another author. Some people, is that you George? No, it's not me. I based that story, elder abuse and the old man on an author, one, a famous author, a famous writer. She was, um, she was in her eighties. Uh, I think she was 82 and she was in a wheelchair um, I don't know if she could in, any longer write, but anyway, she had two children who were abusing her. They were abusing her for her money. Uh, they were abusing her for her money. So I based that short story, that novelette, on on this famous, famous author. I'm not going to call her name because I don't want anybody saying that uh, you shouldn't have said that anyway um yeah so i based that story on her loosely on her so uh, you know it's fiction a lot of the things that happen in the book never happened to probably never happened to her i didn't it never happened to me it's just i I was just very creative in in uh, creating this beautiful and lovely story elder abuse and the book is, the story is doing well. People like it. I mean, they like it. I haven't got that many reviews, but anyway, but I know people are reading it, and I know they're downloading it because I can see the uh, uh, the W-2 tax reform at the end of the year, tax form at the end of the year, so saying that, wow, you know, it did pretty good, uh, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't see older people as n- nuisance. I don't see them as in the way. I see them as, as I just can't stop saying, as people with lots of it. And when I was young, when I was very, very young, I'm talking about as a child, um, I always looked up, and this is in my autobiography, I always looked up to older people. I never wanted to hang around or be around people of my own age. Why? Because I didn't think they knew anything. I thought older people, because they were around for so long, tell me something and I could learn from them. And that's the that's the honest truth. I never wanted to be uh, around people my age. I, I always tried to be around older people. If I was 10 years old, I wanted to be around someone, someone who was 15. You know, because I wanted to learn. I was I was. was something about me that I just wanted to absorb knowledge. I wanted to absorb everything I could because I was, even at that age, I was looking to try to better myself and to make something of my life. I knew I didn't want what was surrounding me. And I knew that I wanted something better. So I thought one way of making my life a lot better was to be around people whom I thought could teach me something, show me something, tell me about their experience, tell me about. The, at, at that age, I wanted to learn about slavery. I wanted to learn learn about uh, racial injustice because I was hearing so much about it on the news, on the radio, from friends. I was hearing so much about it, but no one in my family would tell me and I wouldn't even ask them about it because I know they'd probably get pissed. So I wanted to know so much, so I used to hang around uh, people a lot older than I was I used to go around my grandmother because I I knew she could tell me a lot of things that I didn't know but I was curious to learn and she would tell me every now and then she wouldn't talk about it um all the time or or in depth but every now and then she slipped something my way by saying that she was um I'm I'm thinking that her parents or grandparents were slaves and that she worked in the cotton field in Mississippi and all that kind of thing. And that was great. I mean, I've learned a lot just by that. I wouldn't have learned that hanging around uh, people my age back then. I mean, when I was 15 years old, I wanted to hang around people who were 20 because I felt that they as, as I got th- just got through saying, had had lots of experience, and um, you know that I could learn from. And I was very very eager. I was very curious, and I wanted to suck up everything that I can that probably make me a better person. And I did. I really did. Thank you. All right. Um. Yeah, Fats Domino and Benson Robert Guillaume, May they both rest in peace. And that's coming from the George Wilder Jr. Show. All righty, let's get let's get into it. Um. Governor Bruce Rauner of Illinois has announced his reelection. Yeah, the governor of this state, of my state of Illinois, Republican governor. Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. He has announced his reelection as if we didn't know that he was gonna run for reelection because he was hinting at it. And I think someone in his party mentioned it. I think he mentioned that he was gonna run for reelection, but he's now is officially thrown his hat to be reelected to the state of Illinois Bruce Rauner, governor. This is the governor who held this state hostage for two and a half years without a budget. No budget whatsoever. People lost their jobs, people lost their social programs, people lost this, people lost that, mental health, you name it, people couldn't go to the doctor. And the only, w- the, the only reason why we have a budget now because he was overridden by the Democrats in the General Assembly. If he was not overwritten by uh, the the Democrats in the General Assembly, we would still not have a budget. There would be no budget. And the other day, I think I heard him say that he made mistakes. He didn't make any mistakes. This was deliberate. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to destroy Illinois, just like Trump wants to destroy America, to, to, to reshape it, to remake it in the Republicans' image they want to take away everything. So uh, Rauner just announced his re-election. I don't think it's going to work because right now he is taking more money from social agencies. A lot of these people have not been paid. A lot of these social agencies, and there's about 30 of them in the city of Chicago, and they are either on their last leg or they have shut down or they will shut down because they're tired of waiting for their money. They're tired of waiting Um uh, to get paid the money that they are owed, and now he's taking more money from them. He's taking more money. I don't know where he, what he's doing with this money, but m- more likely he's, you know, hiring a lot of people, giving them bonuses and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know what the deal is, but Bruce Rounder will not get reelected. I mean, that's a given. We don't want him in the state of Illinois. Okay, Rounder si- silently makes cuts to social programs to pay bills, pay his bills for two and a half years, not having a working budget that he caused. So, you know, a lot of these social programs, um, Meals on Wheels, um, seniors, senior centers, um, uh, so many others. Um, uh, you know, mental health facilities, you know, uh, mentoring programs for children that disabled this guy has really, really dismantled or helped to dismantle a lot of these programs. And this jackass wants to get reelected. It is not going to happen. I, I have watched Rauner and he's, he 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 acts like a different person. He acts like a real different person, as if he's not the governor he was two or three years ago. He, If you look at him now and, and you look at the governor he was two or three years ago, you would say, wow, he's he really has changed. You would say, this guy really has changed. He's He may be different. He may be a different kind of a governor. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. That's the same thing people were fooled, fooled by Donald Trump. Thinking Donald Trump is gonna make, the, <laughs> gonna make America great again. This guy is tearing America apart from the scenes. And that's what, that is what Rauner would do to the state of, uh, state, state of Illinois. Conning, trying to con and lie and bullshit his way back in, into uh, the governorship in Illinois. That's all it is. And it, 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 it's really a shame to know that there are some people, some people, they're going to fall for his bullshit some, and vote for him. And that's a damn shame. Some people are going to fall for it. I didn't vote for him the first time. I will not vote for him the second time. But it might be some folks out there who might say, well, he's changed. He made a mistake. We should give him another chance. Because Mike Madigan is such a dog. I mean, this is the kind of mindset that we may that we probably have out there. His arch enemy is Michael Michael Madigan, the Democrat in the General Assembly in Illinois, who is the head of the House of Representatives. And he has the most powerful power, not Rauner. Rauner can't stand Michael Madigan, but Mike Omadigan's constituency, the voters who put him in office, they love him. Rauner is complaining that Michael Madigan will not let him destroy the state. Michael Madigan will not let him uh, destroy families. And he's complaining about that. So he he has really, really. Uh, it, it, if you research it and you go back and you find out uh, Rauner has really, really trashed Mike, Michael Madigan. Mike Madigan. He is really trashed Mike in commercials whenever he makes a, a, a television appearance, you know, uh, when they're dealing with the, the state of Illinois, the budget and all of this, this other stuff. He trashes Michael Madigan. And Michael Madigan has done nothing but stop him in his tracks from taking this state down the sewer. And I don't think Michael Madigan's constituency is going to pay one iota of attention to Bruce Rauner. And another thing about Bruce Rauner that may be really really coming in in the near future he may have a republican challenger that's going to really tear a, a wrinkle in him another wrinkle anyway he may have a, a um gop challenger because some in his own party they're pissed off at him for signing this abortion bill in, into law so he may have a challenger uh, we haven't heard of any yet but the the election in is isn't until uh, November 6, 2018, so there's plenty of time for a couple of GOP challengers to jump in there and and compete for the job of governor. On the other side, the Democrats have about five or six people running against uh, Bruce Rauner because they know that Bruce Rauner is what? Bruce Rauner is vulnerable. He's vulnerable. He really is. I mean, holding this state and the people and the disabled hostage for two and a half years, it would have been three years or more if the General Assembly had not overridden him. And I'm hearing today that he gotten some sort of victory today. I I think he's gotten a victory today because the General Assembly actually failed to override uh, I'm not sure what it is, but they he, they failed to override something that he was putting forth, you know. But at least we have a budget. And, 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 and I'm pretty sure uh, that's a win for him. And I'm pretty sure he's going around the state saying that he won, he won, he won. He didn't win a damn thing, standing. He got a win. He should get some kind of wins. I mean, you're going to go through four years in office and, and you don't have a win under your belt of something, you know. So um, Rouner is not going to get elected. I'm, a, you know, I'm going to stand by that. You know, he's not going to get elected. Will the, Will the election be close? It could be, but I don't see how it might be because you still got a lot of clucky people out here who's going to go out there and vote for him oh he's nice he's changed look at his smile that's the same thing you said about trump and now he's taking away your 401k yeah he's just taking away uh, uh uh to keep you from suing your bank if something happens If you uh, dispute a a problem in your bank, uh, you will not be able to, even if you're right and something had gone wrong, he took away the protections where you will be able to sue your bank. That's not all. That's not all Trump is doing. Trump is he's going to he's coming after Social Security. He's coming after Medicaid. He's coming after Medicare. He's coming after the American people, us. With executive orders, nothing legislative, but is but with executive orders, he's gonna ruin this country. Uh, the the GOP is gonna ruin it as a whole. They're gonna take away everything. I mean, everything they're gonna take away. If it was gotten by uh, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, the good, the 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 New Deal and Social Security and all of that stuff, he's gonna take away all of that stuff. They're gonna take away. They're gonna try to take away all of that stuff. They are coming after America. They are coming after the people. If you're not rich, they're coming after you. You're going to work every day, taking care of your family, sending your kids to college. You are, uh, you are good pickings for them. They're coming after you. This is why I tell people, get do something. Get up off your butt. You want to save. Social Security, you want to save Medicaid, you want to save all of these programs that are going to be destroyed, going to go away, you better get up off your butts and do something. Because this is real. This is real. We got Bruce Rauner in the state of Illinois. He's going to do the same thing. I mean, you got to get out there and vote for the right people. You just cannot vote for people because they look good. They have a great smile. They promise you everything. Then you go out there, you all gullible and everything, you go out there and, and you vote for these people and they come back and they screw you and they don't care. So if you want to take America back, you got to get up off your, your butt and, and uh, make some calls. You know, a lot of people are making calls, but these guys in Washington, they're ignoring the calls. They're ignoring everything. All right, you've been uh, listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. We're going to do this and we will be, what are we doing now? We're going to do this again, and then we'll be right back. My little girl. <laughs> All righty. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead.
0: Hello, this is Kevin Coolidge with uh, Totally Ninja Raccoons.
3: And, and you are a children's young. author? That's right. All righty. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for calling in. I uh, appreciate it always appreciated. <laughs> it's always appreciated. All right, give us a little bit of bio about yourself and tell us about what you do.
0: Okay, well, I'm, I work in an independent bookstore in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, and I'm a children's author. I am the author of the Totally Ninja Raccoons. The Totally Ninja Raccoons are about three raccoon brothers who decide who decided to become ninjas because they already have the mask.
3: Wow. Why did you decide to write for children? Is it a lot easier than writing stuff for adults or are you just it's, you know? actually,
0: it's actually harder to write for children than it is for adults. I actually do have an adult novella out and it's it's fun to write but it's to me it's more gratifying to write for children you No, know, it's uh an adult might read your book and there's like you know an adult becomes an adult is older you know we become we tend become more cynical when we get older and it's uh, an adult might read your book and say, "Well, that's mm-hmm. good." But a child—if a child really likes your book—he'll let you know that he likes your book. And if he doesn't, well, he'll let you know that too, because kids are kids can be brutally <laughs> honest. But uh, yeah, you know, kids yeah. Are, but uh, but kids are really—it's no, I I I I always say that the the Totally Ninja Raccoons are written for kids by kids. Just two of them are forty and, and bald.
3: Oh, okay. Uh I I do know when you're writing a children's book, you have to put uh get in the mindset of a child yourself. I've heard something to that effect. You, you,
0: you do. I mean, it's uh you know, when you write for a child, you uh like I wrote a series that I want would want to read when I was that age. And actually I mean, I enjoy I enjoy writing them because if I don't <clears throat> I don't think the ninja raccoons would be fun to read if I didn't have fun writing them, and I have fun writing them.
3: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that—that's what—that's one of the things you have to do as a writer, as an author. You have to have fun writing it because if you're having fun writing it, others going to have fun reading it.
4: That's
0: right. It, it comes. It comes through when when the, when the child reads that 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 comes through that that enjoyment. That yeah. You yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. So how many children books have you written so far?
0: I've written 8. I have 7 in the next releases. 8. Wow. Series. 8. Yes.
3: Uh-huh.
0: My my first wow. book was actually a, a children's picture book called Hobo Finds a Home which is about how my cat comes to live with me. So it's a, it's kind of a memoir with meow.
3: <laughs> That's cute, and and uh, children's books. So, give us a specific age where your your uh, uh, that your books are directed at children, of well, course, the, but the, their the, ages.
0: The the Ninja Raccoons are specifically I specifically wrote them for reluctant readers between the ages of seven and ten, and I particularly mm-hmm. went after that um that that target age because of my experience working in a bookstore. and I've worked in a bookstore with my wife um, for 11 years. I, we own uh, From My Shelf Books in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. So this comes from my experience, not just, I just didn't pick this at a random time. I, this comes from my experience of, of helping children to read. And from my experience, if a child does not you know, really, you know, really grasp and really grab hold of reading between the ages of seven and ten, that's the time that they really start falling behind their peers. So I feel that mm-hmm. that age level mm-hmm. is essential for for you know creating a love of reading.
3: Yeah, I I, I uh, became a writer when I started visiting a library. I just would look at all the books around the library and I said, Wow, one day I'm gonna do a book, and I did. And you know, you're working at a bookstore. I'm pretty sure that that's an inspiration for you to keep on writing
0: it is because you know you see a lot of books in the field and and there's some there are some really good books, yeah and there's some that aren't and there's there's always room for for more good books out in the world and and
3: yeah, you know, yeah. like
0: Rose. yes
3: oh so so how are the books doing on the market how the are, are they doing
0: the books are really starting to take off it's uh no, especially locally. Uh-huh. So, like one another reason, like I'm I'm from rural Pennsylvania, so I set the books here in rural Pennsylvania in Wellsboro, and that's a, another reason I did that. Like when I was growing up, I enjoyed reading about places I had been to. Like if I had been to Denver, Colorado, and I you know and I wrote and I read a book that was that took place in Denver, Colorado, I could put myself there a little bit easier, and that's another reason why I did yeah. this because yeah. A lot of times when a child's first starting to read sometimes the they they haven't you know they're having trouble with the you know with the pictures in their head or like to making it feel real to them by setting it in a place where they can actually go, even though there's you know there's talking raccoons and and like the first one has but <laughs> even though there's some things that that aren't necessarily yeah. real, setting it in a real place gives it a gives it a sense of verisimilitude a sense of of bringing in yeah, reality. Yeah,
3: uh, a sense of authenticity, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're doing really well locally. In yes. fact, um, like, one of the things I just mm-hmm. found out this week, I did a local festival here last week, and they did quite well, and I found out that one of my biggest fans is actually going as Halloween dressed as the, one of the villains in the book. Um, the villain in the book Wow, congratulations. congratulations.
3: That sounds great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that really
3: made my day. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, it would have made mine too, you know. <laughs> it really would have. Do you have your latest book with you that you can read a, a little bit of an excerpt from your children's book?
0: I do. Um do you want like would you like one okay. from the first or would you like one from uh the one that I just published? Cuz the the first one has like the origin story of a of the raccoon. So
3: I'm going to uh, read that. Yeah, you decide, Kevin, you decide.
0: Okay, I'll do that, because that gives you an essence of of, of what they are. Okay. A furry head pops up from a trash can. The lid tilted on its head like a hat. It's a raccoon, and he's holding a box, a Chinese takeout. Someone ate all the pork out of this pork fried rice, and there aren't any chopsticks, says Kevin. The trash can beside the raccoon starts to tremble noisily. There's no lid. So when a voice from within calls out, it echoes, who would throw away donuts? I love donuts," says the voice. <laughs> Another raccoon pokes his head out over the rim.
4: It's Rascal,
0: and there is a jolly donut in his mouth. The powder speckling his face and whiskers. His whiskers twitch. Here are your chopsticks, bro," a voice from the third trash can calls out. End over end, a pair of chopsticks flies across cans, as many other items come flying out: a banana peel, an orange rind, a broken toaster. Haven't these people heard of junk food ass bandit? Rascal turns his furry face just in time for the chopsticks to hit him in the forehead. The wooden chopsticks bounce off his head. Kevin's little black paws reach out to snatch him from the air. Oh look! General Sal's chicken says Kevin excitedly, as he places his as he glances back down into the trash can. Hey, if the general threw it away, he must not want any more ass. Rapp answers Rascal. No, General Sal's chicken is a sweet. Slightly spicy, deep-fried chicken dish, says Bandit, as he peers out over at Kevin's chicken. What's he the general of, asks Rascal, huh? Why nothing? It's all marketing, replies Bandit. Rascal dives down for another delicious jelly donut. Bandit rests his chin on his paws. His ears twitch. A screen door slams. Bandit quietly sips back down to the trash can. A bright beam of light shines through the night. It stops on Kevin... Just as he's cramming a huge piece of chicken into his mouth. Kevin grins sheepishly and offers a piece of chicken. Get out of my garbage, you stinking thieves, yells a fat, hairy man holding a broom. (laughs) With a crash, Bandit's trash can topples over and he dashes out, running for the safety of the dark. Kevin raises his arm, sniffs, and looks puzzled. I don't smell anything except General South's chicken. He jumps out of the trash can and follows Bandit. So this is hmm. another. Um, so the the raccoons decide to become ninjas because <laughs> they the man like he called them thieves. No, he's going. They're going through their trash can, their like, their favorite restaurant, and so another.
4: It's funny. Of
0: the, it's oh, it's funny because like you have to be you have to be <laughs> funny, or or else uh or yeah. else the child is just not going to read it.
3: You know what? You know what else? Uh, one of the characters have your name. Is that? By mistake, or just you just putting yourself into that, what you're writing.
0: That's that's kind of a that's kind of a writer's joke. If you're a writer, I'm sure you've heard that a writer puts himself into his work. So I just went ahead and yeah. put myself into my work. And named one of the one of the raccoons is Kevin, and that's also kind of a joke because okay. like the raccoon is like bandit, rascal, and Kevin. So two of them have raccoon names yeah. that are pretty like, pretty common, and then and Kevin. So my name is Kevin, but also Yeah. Kevin seems to be the the go-to cartoon name. I mean like the Kevin was the name of the yeah. rare exotic bird and up. And of course one of the yeah. one of the minions is named Kevin. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to name him Kevin. And I did.
3: Yeah, well, it's great. I mean, yeah, I'm a writer, but I I, I put a lot of myself into what, to my work also, but I very seldom uh use my own name you know to describe me but i'm pretty sure it happens and you know kevin is a popular name so popular boy's name so it's great uh one other question is there's a lot of uh there's a a lot of children's books out there a bunch i mean i mean it's a lot how would you make your book stand out from the rest of them
0: well one of the things i did to to make them stand out Mm-hmm. Among them is, I did. A, each one of my Ninja Raccoon books have a cryptid in it. Now, a cryptid, for, mm-hmm. for, for your listeners that don't know, is a creature that is unconfirmed by modern day science. So, for example, my first one has Bigfoot, and my second one has a werewolf, and my third one has a side hill gouger, which is a creature from Pennsylvania folklore. So, one of the things is, I, yeah, I, uh, I. Each one has a cryptid, and each one has, it's basically, the ninja raccoons are basically raccoons versus cats. Okay, like, so they come up against the cat board. Now, have you heard of the cat board?
3: I'm hearing of it now.
0: Okay, well, like, the cat board is this super secret organization run by cats, because you probably know that cats are oh. the
3: in I, I recall a movie something to that effect. Um. Uh, Cats and dogs, <laughs> or something, Cats and
0: or something dogs. like yeah. that. Yeah. You no, know, they, they like to keep it. They like to keep it more on the down low and, than that. So, like, they're not going to yeah. announce yeah. it in a movie. But so, so the main villain of the of the of the totally ninja raccoons is Gypsy, who is head of the cat board. And, and what she does in the first book is she sets like so. Once the ninja raccoons be, decide to become ninjas. Now, what do you do once you're a ninja? Well, you need a ninja job, right? So,
4: right. So
0: the Tolly raccoons like answer an ad in the local paper by Gypsy the Cat. Gypsy is looking for minions. And she sends them on their first ninja job to capture Bigfoot because she wants to use Bigfoot's powers of stealth to help in her plan for world domination. But what she ends up doing is she crosses the raccoons and this sets, up, this sets up the adversarial um, relationship between the cat board and the ninja raccoons.
3: Wow, this, is, uh, this sounds exciting. And I'm pretty sure a lot of kids out there, uh, parents with children, should probably go get this book. Because it, it's funny, it, it's exciting, it's not boring, it's, I'm pretty sure it's easy to read. And I, I, I'm having fun just hearing you talk about it. You know, I mean, I think because I love children, and I think children would probably uh, love this. Is there a, is there a, um, as they would call a, is there a story behind it? Is there a moral to it?
0: There, there, there. I mean, there is something like cause basically the moral when the morals behind yeah. it, there's there's some. But one of it is like um because like, the ninja raccoons like in the first I just read you part of the first chapter, but yeah. Um, but the the man comes out and he calls him thieves, he calls him bandits and I mean we've all had people that you know say things about us that you know that made us sad and made us angry and like yeah. I'm not a thief. So part of the part of, you know, the underlying theme of the Ninja Raccoons is that you choose your own path. You get to decide yeah. what you want to be. Yeah. Don't let somebody yeah. put you down and and it's like if you want to be a ninja, be a ninja. So, yeah. You no, know, and and it's and then they're brothers. So it's like they're not just ninjas like in this there's not a lot of finding the ninja raccoons. I I usually I use ninja more as the form of more of for teamwork. So they you know they're they're brothers in every sense of the word. You no, know, they play as a team. They they each have their own importance, their own skills and they but they balance each other yeah. out. Like Bandit is the Yeah. He's the one that he reads and he's he's really smart. And Rascal is yeah. is he's a little shorter and he has he special glasses. And he's yeah. he's smart too, but he does like the a lot of the gadgets. And the Kevin character, he's a little cynical, but you know he's the but he you know but altogether they form this team. And then they yeah. you know, they go out in the world and like they come across a cryptid like there's a werewolf in the second one. And, you know, they decide they're going to capture their werewolf because, you know, they can get money for the werewolf. And then they find out that, you know, the werewolf isn't really as scary as what they thought he'd be. So (laughs) another underlying (laughs) theme is some of those things out there that you think are scary aren't as scary as what you thought they were going to be.
4: All right, author Kevin Coolidge
3: on the Divert. Let me do this. Uh, author Kevin Coolidge okay. on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, Kevin, where can we find this book? Where where can we pick it up? Pick it up. Give us a place where we can buy it, or and and a website.
0: Okay. Well, you can you can buy personalized signed copies for me at my website oh. at WellsboroBookstore.com. And of course, you can order the books in this day and age. A lot of people have their favorite places, so you can order these books anywhere that you get your book. I mean, they're available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh-huh. If you have a nice little, I mean, I love small business and bookstores. So, I mean, if you have a, a bookstore that isn't carrying them, they can order them. Um, I know some of the Barnes & Noble did. I've done some uh, book signings at the Barnes & Noble in my state, so they can order mm-hmm. them if they, they don't have them. So, basically, wherever you get books from, you can get a Ninja Raccoon there, too.
3: Okay, and uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to uh, be uh, uh, continue to write this series.
0: I am. I'm already working on my eighth yeah. one. My eighth one is wow. the Totally Ninja Raccoons Meet the Jersey Devil, and I have at least several more planned. I'm also having a, <laughs> a joke book plan that I'm currently working on. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So. All right, Kevin Coolidge on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank you so much for doing this show, and I wish you a lot of, a lot of more luck with, uh, with your writing. Thanks so
0: much. Thanks, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: No problem. All right, Kevin Coolidge on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about his children's books. I mean, folks, if you love kids like I do, I'm pretty sure Kevin does. Uh, go out and uh, purchase this book. It's on Amazon. It's it's all over the place. Um, back, ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
5: I'm essentially calling gold star widow Myesha Johnson a liar, taunting Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, calling her wacky. Is race behind all of this? Let's discuss now. seeing political commentators Anna Navarro and Angela Ryer here and political contributor Ed Martin. Good evening to all of you. Thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, Anna, after Myesha Johnson spoke, spoke publicly this morning, President Trump almost immediate, immediately uh, disputed her characterization of their phone call on Twitter. I know you feel strongly about this. Why does his response, what, what should his response have been, I should say?
6: Silence, respect, honoring the service of the fallen soldier, calling the widow and telling her, I'm sorry if I made you cry. That was not my intent. I want you to know how much I respect and I honor your service of your fallen husband and that this country and I will embrace you for the rest of your life and for your children's life instead he just can't help himself he has no impulse control I mean, there are children that have more discipline and more impulse control and more common sense than this man does who for some reason is the commander-in-chief the lame excuse for commander-in-chief just when I think he can't offend me anymore just when I think he can't make me more mad he does and for him to pick a fight (laughs) with a gold star family for eight days now that's not silly. That's not stupid. It's disgusting. It is grotesque, and it is outrageous.
5: Ed, people from political analysts to Gold Star families say this whole altercation may have something to do with race. Congressman Wilson also hinted that uh, this was racially charged, In the New York Times the White House itself is full of white supremacists. Do you agree? Well, yes.
7: Look, I think the um, you know Anna's response is sort of captures what a whole bunch of people are feeling, and I think we have to be respectful of that. But I think a whole lot of Americans are looking up, and they're saying when uh politics has played with a sacred moment whether it's the con family in the in the summer at the at the convention or the congresswoman in this case we're proud and we're happy that we finally have a president who is on the side of fighting back and i think the president all the president is saying is that uh general kelly and others have counseled him and witnessed what he said his attempt to be respectful after that it's not it's not only unfair I wish Anna would turn her rage at the the congresswoman for politicizing a sacred moment there's lots of ways You see to let me let me tell you this the so here's, here's the problem instead, with your theory instead of holding forth on national TV like uh, congresswoman Wilson did so I think that we're proud of the president and look at the end of the day Anna your side lost your side the left wing of America lost this election we're proud of the president, Can I, tell tell side. Side. Can can I just
6: tell you how do. sick on, I am of no wait let me just say that because on to to you, Ed. I am sick of you guys saying the same thing over and over again about how my side lost. Yes, you're right. I supported Jeb Bush, and he lost. I supported John McCain, and he lost. I supported John Huntsman, and he lost. Your Hillary candidate Clinton. You supported Hillary right now, Clinton. I supported you... Hillary Clinton and Sheila. Right. But right now, I am no longer supporting one person or another. I am an American citizen. And Donald Trump, whether I like it or not, whether I accept it or not, is the president of the United States. That means my president. That means Federica Wilson's president. That means Don Lemon's right. president. And that means Maisha Johnson's president. And he has got to behave with the respect that the presidency requires. And, and the reason did. that I will not turn on Federica mm-hmm. Wilson is because I know her you see she's a congresswoman from my community she's a congresswoman from south florida where i am from and i've spoken to federica wilson and what that widow said today is practically verbatim what federica wilson said so when you're picking a fight with federica wilson and her account of the events right now you're not just picking a fight with a congresswoman. You're picking a fight with a mother, and you're picking a fight with a widow, who are all saying that that, w- that is exactly what they heard. Yeah. And also respect okay. the fact that for 25 years, Federica Wilson has had a program to mentor at-risk kids from that community, right. and has but, graduated but thousands wrong. of kids from case, that Anna, program. she was including wrong in this
7: case, She She took soldier.
5: advantage. Angela, so let Angela get in, please. Okay.
8: Something. She took advantage. She is a family friend. Go
5: ahead, she took Angela.
8: advantage of so, situation. So, No, she did not take advantage of it. So first, let me just start here. Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, because that's how we pronounce her name, is a former principal. She's a former school educator. And Anna just made mention of the program that she runs in her district, 5,000 Mentors. And that that program is something that LaDavid Johnson went through. She is not a politician politicizing this whatsoever. She was in the car because she's a dear friend and a central part of his upbringing, sir. So I want to correct the record there. The bigger issue that we have here is if it's not Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, then it's Congresswoman Maxine Waters. If it's not Congresswoman Maxine Waters, then it's... uh, Susan Rice, if it's not Susan Rice, then it's Jamel Hill from ESPN. He has an issue with strong black women. He has an issue, yes he does, yeah, absolutely. He, no, has strong, he has a strong, he has a major, no, I don't picking. have to cherry pick. I just gave you several examples. And if it's well, not a strong, wait, I'm not finished. If it's not a strong black woman, then he has an issue with the strong black man. I give you Don Lemon. And if you need one more example <laughs> of a strong black women, woman, I'll give you April Ryan, who is a, a fellow commentator of yours. So I'm saying there's a clear pa- pattern in practice of his bullying behavior. And it Don. starts with black women.
7: Go Don, ahead. can I can I just offer, a, you know, there's 16 Republicans, One couple are Hispanic, one was a woman, one was a black guy. There's lots of members of Congress. Some are white guys, some are black guys, some are women. Donald Trump, if you are disingenuous like Frederica Wilson was, if you politicize Frederica. something like she did, wait a second, I'll let you talk. I if, you you, if, you, if you're you trying do to that, tell you her name is he Frederica. Doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't care what your race is. He doesn't care what your height, your color. You can be little, little, rocket man, whatever. He's going to come back at you. And look, America, out here, we're happy with this. We have a guy on our side. Change instead of rolling over for political correctness.
6: Well, listen, if you are happy at the commander-in-chief going after a gold star family then I think you are in very small company. We're going to spend a little bit more
5: time with you guys. Stick around. We'll do another segment. we come back, uh, the First Lady kicking off her anti-bullying efforts today. Has she read her husband's Twitter account? Uh, back now with my panel, the first lady's out talking about her new anti-bullying campaign. Yet her husband's Twitter feed is like, "All right, you know, go is. right ahead. If you want to find bullies? Of what a bully is, go to the president's Twitter feed." Uh, and as some people said that he did with uh, with this congresswoman, Frederica Whitfield, and with the Gold Star widow this morning. Um, what do you think of that, Angela?
8: Don Frederica Wilson. She's getting her name. What nicer. did I say? Whit- Whitfield. Oh that, my god that's, 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 my, that's, that's, my, that's my
5: co-worker. Sorry. <laughs> Frederica Wilson. Sorry a about senior that. Senior moment, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just known Frederica for 10 years, and I'm sorry about that. But Whitfield Music Follows. Go on.
8: Fair enough. um So it is very interesting that they would have a bullying campaign coming from her office, and she announced it, of course, on Twitter, which is even more interesting because we know that Donald Trump often uses this platform to not just bully black women, as we talked about in the last segment, but also uh, to attack NFL players, which he also did today. Um, Instead of dealing with real issues, you would think that with 41 million people following him on this platform, he would use it for far more constructive behavior, like, mm, I don't know, ginning up support for a piece of legislation that he wants to sign into law to add to his not-so-hefty stack of accomplishments so far. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: Uh, this month alone, the president has continued to tweet his derogatory nickname for the Congresswoman, calling her wacky. He also mocked Senator uh, Bob Corker's height, dubbing him Little Bob Corker. The New York Times even has a running list of 382 people, places and things Donald Trump has insulted on Twitter. Uh, Anna, does Melania need to square her bullying campaign with her husband's <laughs> behavior?
6: Look, I, Look, first of all, I commend her for having this anti-bullying <clears throat> effort. But there is an inconsistency when the guy next to her in the bed is one of the biggest bullies around. Like President George W. Bush said last week, the bullying that's going on in politics affects the national tone. And here's the thing. I think that there's a lot of people around Donald Trump in the White House who work for him who are enabling him because they are afraid that if they take him on and if they criticize him and they're truthful, they will get fired. And they like their jobs and they want to continue in their jobs. Melania can't get fired. Ivanka Trump can't get fired. Isn't that what Ivanka Trump was there for? Mm-hmm. To soften his image, to make him be the softer, better human being, the you know, softer brand of the uh, detergent? Well, then let them, you know, let them try to do that because the other people obviously can't. They are the family, and I mean, I have got to think that Melania Trump and Ivanka Trump have got to think that their husband and father Tweeting against a Gold Star family for eight days is insane and insensitive. So for the love of God, do the country a favor and do something about it. Do you really
5: think that that would happen? Listen, if I had a parent, if my parent was behaving this way, I would say, Mom, you need to stop it. I I would take them in for a psychiatric evaluation. Something is up. So maybe in some way, not in some way, they're complicit. Ed, I'll give you the last word.
7: Well, you know, I I actually, I think one of the great things about this president right now is around him are some really uh, powerful, successful people. General Kelly.
3: The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
5: john kelly put his reputation on the line for this president when he attacked congresswoman frederica wilson with multiple entirely false statements and now the white house is doubling down back with me rick wilson keith boykin anna Navarro, and jason miller Uh, keith i want to bring you in you didn't get to speak last time Uh, listen i'm wondering has this changed your opinion or, or anything you thought about general kelly at all this week
9: well general kelly was perceived to be one of the adults in the room you know along with general mattis Uh, and uh, Rex Tillerson, the three people who uh, I think James, who uh, Congressman uh, Senator Corker said were keeping us away from chaos in this administration. And uh, the fact that General Kelly would put his reputation on the line in defense of a lie uh, to support President Trump, I think it's very disturbing, it suggests the way that Donald Trump corrupts all those around him. I mean, you think about all the people who are around him, people like Rex Tillerson and others, they've also been caught or ensnared in some sort of controversy because of Trump. Tillerson and the whole controversy about whether he called Trump a moron, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, being berated by, uh, by Donald Trump, and even Mike Pence being mocked by Donald Trump about his religion. And so it, it just goes to show you, the reason why we're having this conversation, with all the respect all the other guests here, is because of one person, Donald Trump. He failed to address this issue the, the death of the four soldiers in Niger for 12 days, many people were asking questions about it. I was asking about this just last week when I was on your show, Don, and no one, was provide, no one was providing answers about it. And then when he is finally asked a question, he turns it into a competition between himself and President Obama and previous presidents. It's just unbecoming of the office of the presidency, and we would expect more from our commander-in-chief.
5: Hey, Rick, um, you said that General Kelly began his role chief of staff with the best intentions, but today he has become... Another prop in the Trump show. You said that, but I'm wondering if this is kind of the reason you say everything the president touches dies. And you cite a list of people, which includes John Kelly, Sean Spicer, Jeff Sessions, H.R. McMaster, Anthony Scaramucci, etc. Sure.
10: Well, I mean, we started working on a documentary about this, and the list keeps keeps getting longer and longer. And 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 the, everyone that's around Donald Trump ends up in some position where they either are compromised by his behavior or their behavior changes to sort of match the sort of things Donald Trump does. And, and it's also about policy things. Look, this is a guy, the big old trophy wall of legislative accomplishments in the White House is pretty bare right now because every every legislative priority he's put his hands on has fallen apart. You know, he tried initially with Trump care, it fell apart. He's trying with the tax reform plan. It's fallen apart. Donald Trump doesn't have things he can really go out and say, you know, Gorsuch is a great single accomplishment but that was Mitch McConnell's pick mm-hmm. and 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 the federal society's pick but everything else he does falls apart this is a guy with very few accomplishments and executive orders are very ephemeral they're very transitory they can be wiped away with the stroke of a pen and so right now the 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 president is relying on on the stock market uh, rising to sustain his 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 public approval numbers, but everything else he touches dies. It, it, it like I said, we started working on this documentary. We thought oh, we will make a 90-minute piece. Well, there's enough material now for for a trilogy. Practically, it just never stops. Everyone in the White House eventually, you know, falls victim to this curse.
5: Yeah. In, in this speech yesterday, in his speech yesterday, the former President George W. Bush offered a point by point takedown of Trumpisms. Right. The White House says that the comments had nothing to do with President Trump. Watch this.
7: Our understanding is that those comments were not directed towards the president. Uh, And, in fact, when these two individuals, both past presidents, have criticized the president, they've done so by name uh, and very rarely do it without being pretty direct, as both of them tend to be. So we'll take them at their word that these
6: actions and comments weren't directed towards the president.
9: I mean, come on.
5: Jason,
6: that is what you call that is what you call so playing Don. I mean, Jason, when you so, I would know, heard it, that. Did you have any it, doubt? If, go ahead, If Anna, that, go ahead. that is if that right, is so her understanding, have, uh, then she has no understanding.
2: Did you have any right, so doubt? So who, uh, who, Don, who was I would have given yeah. I would have given a little bit of a different answer. I would have said, well, thank you, President Bush and President Obama for giving us $20 trillion uh, in debt and leaving uh, a whole big mess for President Trump to come in and clean up. Uh, But look, uh, I think seeing as both President uh, Obama and President Bush criticize uh, President Trump this week really kind of reminds people that the president, not only did he defeat the Democratic establishment uh, last year in the general election, but he also defeated the Republican establishment in the primaries (laughs) and taking on Washington. Yeah, but Jason, going to be a their critique of, their yeah.
10: critique of him wasn't electoral. Their critique of him wasn't electoral or political. Their critique of him was about American values. Their critique of him was about the sort of things that has surrounded the Trump administration from the very beginning, and the kinds of things: the conspiracy theories, the bigotry, the disgusting rhetoric, the, the hostility towards towards people that that you know aren't fellow billionaires of, like Donald Trump. Their critique of him was about the, the tone and character of this administration. It wasn't about an ideological thing or a rhetorical thing. This was about the way Donald Trump governs as a man, as a human. And, the, and those things, I believe, you, George W. Bush and Barack Obama are a billion miles apart ideologically, but I think they were on the same sheet of music about the sort of soul of American uh, public life. And Donald Trump falls very short of that test. And you can and look, I was, I was tough on Barack Obama every day he was president. And I praised George W. Bush very frequently, even when it was tough as a Republican. But those two guys, they hit a ground here that's above politics. It's different from what we, we've expected from. Ex-presidents, where they were sending a very clear signal that this guy is a is a moral vacuum around him that is not good for. No, this country.
2: that's uh, no. I mean, look, here's uh, it's changing Washington is going to be hard, and so of course they're going to get the uh, folks from both parties. They're going to go and start taking shots at you. Uh, but good for President Trump to go and, and bring in truth to power and not being afraid of what these now, guys Jason, are going to go Jason, and fire back at. <laughs> Jason, the last Jason, thing, the, Jason, Let me say this:
6: the last thing George W. Bush would want to do is take shots at any president. That is just not something that he has done in the past. He has been very good at adhering to that unspoken pact of not criticizing your successors. He has been good at that. What he is doing now is expressing the frustration and saying, you know what, enough is enough, and I've got to use this platform. I can no longer afford the luxury of remaining silent because American values are under attack. What this White and House you know and this what? president and are know, doing are affecting election, the national tone, and there has got to that. be somebody using the bully pulpit Jason, to say different. Jason, it's not let me tell you, I think the, I think the very, not a, let, me, let me say this, it is not a coincidence that John McCain this week came out and did exactly oh, the same thing, that Bob Corker is doing it, that Jeff Flake is yeah, doing it, yeah. that George W. Exactly. Bush is All doing it. Republicans politicians. are coming back you're reminding Republicans Anna, of what Republican value values are, what American values are. Jason, you keep going Jason, back to
2: the keep...
5: election, people don't vote retroactively. This, and, is, you know, what, this, this is what this, this has is, happened just after because,
2: the election. Just just and one person, Jason, one person, Jason, one person can't always Just because President be Trump doesn't speak the way that the politicians per- and people in Washington w- want him to. Jason, I get that, addri- J- Jason, can I I say get that addressing the moral yeah, question of like, Donald if, Trump's, if, Trump's if, behavior if, if, is difficult.
9: If if, 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 if it, if it I get it. I get I get how hard it is just de- for you. I can feel the burden you're carrying. I get that you guys don't
2: like President Trump. I totally get that. No, no, I don't like his behavior.
9: Oh, God. Jason, if it was just Democrats, I could understand how you could say it was a partisan attack. It's not just Democrats, it's Republicans. It's people within his own staff who are attacking him. It's people in his own cabinet who are attacking him. How at what point do you finally acknowledge that the man is not a popular president? He's not well liked <laughs> except among his base. To and he has to be the honor. president of the entire country. Not just all the people. Everybody, Everybody, so much everybody, I want you to hear this point. This is
5: important. Two very intelligent <laughs> former two-term presidents, both on a different sides of the political aisle, one Republican, one Democrat, saying the exact same thing about the sitting president. That is not partisan, Jason.
2: Uh, Don, all I got to say is good for President Trump for not backing down. He's going to continue to fight for people and do what he thinks is right. And j- but ba- but Hold on, because- hold on,
5: hold on. Backing down to what? Backing down backing for someone down saying that
2: bigotry is wrong, what do you want to say it's right?
5: Backing down to saying that uh, we're so partisan that, we shouldn't, that we, we shouldn't be, we should talk to each other, not talking to each other is right. Backing down from what? What are you talking about backing down from?
2: Backing down from his change agenda, that he wants to go and get rid of these terrible trade deals, that he wants to go and They didn't talk about taxes, trade deals, Jason. To, no one's they're, talking they're about gonna, trade deals here. They're, they're no one fine, mentioned a trade deal. They talked
5: about bigotry. <laughs> about part, hyper-partisanship, about bringing the country together that this president is not doing. No one said anything about trade deals. No one said anything about the budget. No one said anything about that. So what is the opposite of, of policies, what they
2: mentioned that Donald Trump is doing? And Don, his policies are popular. I mean, these are, these they are great They didn't mention ideas, his policies. They gonna, weren't talking Jason. about his policies. They weren't criticizing his policies.
9: So
2: no, they want to go out and make, they want to go out and make personal attacks. You know, uh, fine. That's their prerogative. Uh, it's a so free you're admitting country. it was they about
5: go, the president. And even though Sarah Huckabee <sighs> Sanders is saying it, it, wasn't.
2: Oh, I'm saying, look, it probably was uh, an attack on President Trump. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, that's what it seems like President Obama, President no, Bush Jason, wanted to do. No, Jason, it wasn't, it wasn't,
10: it wasn't an attack on President Trump. It was a call for the leader of the free world, ostensibly leader of the free world, to yeah. try to conform his behavior to some of the traditional values that this country has embraced. And those are things like not engaging in rampant yeah. bigotry, not embracing conspiracy theories, not acting like someone who, who feels free and willing to insult uh, okay. veterans and to insult the it. handicapped. He's call- they, they were calling him back to a better, a better sort of presidency. And I'm sorry, right. that if, they, if the change agenda is against that, agenda.
5: Keith, I got to I quickly. Just, I Keith, I know Keith, I, mean, Keith, I cut Keith off. Seen- Keith, go ahead. Get the last word. I'm sorry. I'm I I sorry, just, Jason. Just one, just one
9: quick off. point. Just one quick point, Jason. You said that Donald Trump is speaking truth to power. I appreciate that. But now Donald Trump is power. And what I would like to see is for you and other Trump supporters to speak truth to him, to tell him when he does do something wrong, that he needs to be called out on it. It's time for this, this, this. Yeah attitude of letting Trump go by, go by and do whatever he wants without any responsibility and accountability to end. And,
2: and you're so blinded by your hatred, you can't see anything good that President Trump does. Donald you're Trump so is not... You're blinded by I, your adulation, neither can you, Jason. Oh,
9: Jason this is Jason, not, this this is not Keith Boykin, this is George word. W. Bush saying this. Producers, I'm
5: going to go long, I guess you realize that. Jason, is there anything that this president would do that you wouldn't criticize, would you, do, would you come on here and reflexively support this president about anything? Because that, that seems to be the case. No one on this panel reflexively supported any of their candidates. And, I, and I've been here the entire time for, I was here at CNN for Bush, I was here for Obama, and now I'm here for Trump. And I've never seen any pundit come on television or pundits come on TV and reflexively support the person who is in office as often as I've seen you and Trump supporters. Why do you feel the need to do that? Because everything he does is not going to be correct, as we can see. Stevie
2: Wonder can see that. He took a knee for it. I mean, come on. Answer. Don, Don, in the first segment that you had us on, I, I clearly said that I think the White House should leave this alone. They shouldn't engage in any further of the back But you and didn't forth. say that they were wrong. And you didn't say that the
5: president started it. You didn't say that, that Kelly lied. You didn't say that the president lied. You didn't speak the truth. You, you came on and you spun it in, to, in Donald Trump's favor. And then you said, did a Donald, shiny said, object I said, I said and you talk said, about a rock star. You pointed to something else. You didn't say, look. I, I mean, can't support you, I the mean, White Don, House on you this you one. Think, they were flat out I mean, wrong, think, and if Sarah Huckabee Sanders stands up there and says it, she should not have said it, and they're wrong. I'm sorry, I just can't do it on this one.
2: Why? Wh- well, I can, I can, I can disagree with them, and I did. I said they should leave this alone. But I mean, that doesn't mean they necessarily have to go and attack them. I mean, and I, Don, I know you're not disagreeing, with, disagreeing with me on the point about the rock star. I mean, there, there's no way that you can think. No, but I didn't see. I don't understand why the need to bring it up to point to something.
3: All right, welcome to the George Wilder Dooney Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-violently. Yeah, we are in some trying times here. I mean, this is very, very serious. This is no joke. It's no fun. You're about to lose everything. This man is about to take uh America down into the sewer, and they are liking it. This man is dangerous. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I wanna President Trump on Wednesday cited his ivory league education in pushing back at the notion that he is dumb and an uncivil leader. I'm quoting Trump here. Uh, you know, people don't understand. I went to an ivory, Lube, an ivory League college, he told reporters at the White House. And I'm, I'm quoting him again. He said, I was, I was a nice student. This is what the president said. He said, I was a nice student. I'm very well. I did very well. And I'm, very, I'm a very very intelligent person. Now, he sounds like a, a, a fourth grader. <laughs> he sounds just like a fourth grader. I went to an Ivy League college. He told reporters at the White House, I was a nice student. I did very well. I'm very intelligent. I'm a very intelligent person. These are his words sounding like a third or fourth grade student saying something like that. This man is backwards. This man is crazy. This man is mentally ill. This man is uh, hell bent on war with the American people because he knows that the American people, they don't like him. And he stated so many times, if you hit him, he's going to push back or hit back. So he's hitting back at us by making our lives miserable, taking away protections our regulations every regulation is rolling back everything that Obama has done uh, for the American people to make it easier to sue people he's taking he's he's rolling back regulations uh, so so the banks can sue us so we can't sue the banks sorry we cannot sue the banks he's taking away he's going after the 401ks I mean this guy uh, anything that's America he's going after he's trying to I'm hearing that the Republicans want to tear down America and rebuild it in their own image, call it Trump, Trump America, or what's, or something. And they're doing it. I mean, if Republicans are in control, they control the state houses, they control everything, but we have our vote. We have our vote. And right now the Republicans are trying their best to suppress the vote because they don't want us voting. They're trying to come up with reasons to why, uh, they uh, should not vote in the upcoming elections because they want to stay in power because they need more time to ruin America and ruin uh, the American dream for everybody. If you're not rich, they're coming after you. They're coming after The majority of the people in the United States, we are not we are not rich. But anyway, we got about eight more minutes left into the show. I'm reading something on Facebook. That's why I broke out and laughed. You know, I can't say it on the air because it's full of uh, bad words. So, you know, so, <laughs> wow, you know, and, you know, you know, so it's all about Trump. Everything is about Trump because he's um, he's ruining America purposely. He lies every time he opens his mouth. He's not a truthful man. Two Republicans, I think more than two Republicans, have left the Republican Party. And as Hillary Clinton has said, the Republican Party is imploding from within with this man. Now, uh, of two or three Republicans have, have already had shown backbone and stood up to Trump. But the other hundred, they're not doing it. They're on his side. I, so somehow they're afraid Trump is going to beat their ass. You know, if, if they don't do right. They're afraid Trump is going to, uh, they're going to lose their jobs or whatever. How the hell can you lose your job? The American people put you in office. You're going to lose your job anyway, whether you're kissing Trump's ass or not, because you're not uh, representing uh, the people who vote, voted you in office. We gotta, We have a dysfunctional government in Washington. We have a dysfunctional government around uh, America. We've got racist white supremacists, thugs in the White House, in the White House in Washington, D.C., and they are wreaking havoc on the American people, you, me, and other Americans. Racist, staunch racists. We've got racists in the Capitol. What are we going to do about it? Because they are coming after us. Trump and his goons, they have a war on us. If you criticize him, you know, he figured the majority of the people are criticizing him. He's, he's going to come after that, especially African-Americans. I mean, we are uh, targets. And dealing with Trump, you know, I mean, Trump with uh, uh, the races that he is and the races that he uh, surrounds himself with, all of this stuff is... Coming back down and filtering into the neighborhoods, the communities um, in America, every state, every city, it's coming back down because with the racism now that's in this, in America, you have to watch when you go out, even walk into the store, walking your kids to the park or to school. You never know when you may run into somebody, somebody racist, because that's the uh, air of what's going on, and we're just about off the air at sea. So we have to watch ourselves, folks. I mean, you know, racism is here and it's out, right outside our door because we have it in Washington, D.C. A lot of people feel that Trump can hate then they can hate, too. And that's ridiculous. But we got a lot of crazy people in the world th- that will do crazy things. And we have to watch ourselves.
4: help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Never, never saw. Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day. Heaven help the white man if he turns back away. Heaven help the man who kicks the man who does fall. And the Sun I
3: Children's off tomorrow. Guys and girls, join me tomorrow on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Have a great great evening, everyone. Bye-bye. Can't talk.